Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast. We are talking Helen, Selena, Lady Dufferin, Caroline, Car- why do I keep saying Caroline? Caroline, Elizabeth, Sarah Norton, and Charles Tennyson Turner. Three poets. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven names. Greedy. Three greedy poets with eleven names between them. Um, Swim says, I too am surprised at the inclusion of American poets. One explanation is that these poets were also very popular in England at the time, and it makes good business sense to include them. Yeah, could be. Uh, Lady Dufferin was the great-granddaughter of Richard Sheridan, the school of the school for scandal fame, an Irish songwriter, composer, poet, and author. She was admired for her wit and literary talents and was a well-known figure in London society of the mid-19th century. Caroline Elizabeth Sarah Norton did much to advance the rights of women. She left her husband in 1836, who sued her close friend Lord Melbourne, then the Whig Prime Minister, for criminal conversation, adultery. The jury threw out the claim, but she failed to gain a divorce and was denied access to her three sons. Norton's campaigning led to the passage of the Custody of Infants Act 1839, the Matrimonial Causes Act of 1857, and the Married Women's Property Act of 1870. She was also a granddaughter of Richard Sheridan and Lady Dufferin's sister. Charles Tennyson Turner is another brother for of a more famous poet, Alfred Lord Tennyson. He changed his name to Turner after inheriting an estate from a great-uncle, an Anglican priest. He was the author of 340 sonnets, which were greatly admired by Samuel Taylor Coolridge and his brother Alfred. The internet tells us evaluation of Charles Turner's poetry inevitably invites comparison to his more famous brother, Alfred Says the Dictionary of Literary Biography, their upbringing was the same. Both were serious writers. Charles concentrated on one genre and earned the admiration of a few, while Alfred explored all sorts of poetic forms and became the most famous writer of the Victorian age. Damn, wouldn't that suck? Having someone to measure directly up to like that, and even if you were very, very good, still. Yikes. Um, all right. So, conversation done. Don't mind me, I'm just tidying up this Reddit thing while I talk. Okay, um, so today's poet, very famous one, one of the most famous ones to ever do it, Edgar Allan Poe. 1809 to 1849, he died at 40, wow, pretty young. Um, and the first poem is called To Helen. Helen, thy beauty is to me, like those Nicaean barks of yore, that gently over a perfumed sea the weary way-worn wanderer bore to his own native shore. On desperate seas long wont to roam, thy hyacinth hair, thy classic face, thy naiad airs have brought me home to the glory that was Greece, and the grandeur that was Rome. Lo, in yon brilliant window niche, how statue-like I see thee stand, the agate lamp within thy hand. Ah, psych from the regions which are holy land. Annabelle, Annabelle Lee is the next poem. It was many and many a year ago, in a kingdom by the sea, that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. 
and this maiden she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabel Lee. With a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabel Lee, so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me, to shut her up in a sepulchre in the kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea. That the wind came out of the cloud one night, chilling and killing my Annabel Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, of many far wiser than we, and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabel Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabel Lee, and the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabel Lee. And so all the night tired I lie by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride. In the sepulchre but there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. For Annie. Thank heaven the crisis, the danger is past, and the lingering illness is over at last, and the fever called living is conquered at last. Sadly, I know, I am shorn of my strength, and no muscle I move as I lie at full length, but no matter I feel I am better at length, and I rest so composedly now in my bed, that any beholder might fancy me dead, might start at beholding me, thinking me dead. The moaning and groaning, the sighing and sobbing, and quieted now with that horrible throbbing at heart, ah, that horrible, horrible throbbing. The sickness, the nausea, the pitiless pain have ceased with the fever that maddened my brain. The fever called living that burned in my brain. And oh, of all tortures, that torture the worst has abated the terrible torture of thirst for the naphthalene river of passion accursed. I have drunk of a water that quenches all thirst, of a water that flows with a lullaby sound, and a spring but a very few feet underground from a cavern not very far down underground. And ah, let it never be foolishly said that my room is, it is gloomy and narrow my bed, for man never slept in a different bed, and to sleep he must slumber in just such a bed. My tantalised spirit here blandly reposes, forgetting or never regretting its roses, its old agitations of myrtle and roses, for now, while so quietly lying, it fancies a holier odour about it of pansies, a rosemary odour commingled with pansies with rue and the beautiful Puritan pansies. And so it lies, happily, bathing in many a dream of the truth and the beauty of Annie, drowned in the bath of the trusses of Annie. She tenderly kissed me, she fondly caressed, and then I fell gently to sleep on her breast, deeply to sleep from the heaven of her breast. When the light was extinguished, she covered me warm, and she prayed to the angels to keep me from harm, to the queen of the angels to shield me from harm, and I lie so composedly now in my bed, knowing her love that you fancy me dead, and I rest so contentedly now in my bed with her. 
love at my breast, that you fancy me dead, that you shudder to look at me, thinking me dead, but my heart it is brighter than all of the many stars in the sky, for it sparkles for it with Annie, it glows with the light of the love of my Annie, with the thought of the light of the eyes of my Annie. Alright, um, I think we'll just go with just Edgar Allan Poe for today. He's, um, there's probably a lot to um, talk about this fellow, so yeah, do a shortish one tonight. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.